Hey guys, if you remember, we had ads for Harry's Razors a while ago, and that didn't really work out so well because nobody cared. We have a new sponsor that actually makes sense because I like to drink, and you guys do too. It's called Wink. W-I-N-C is how it's spelled. Based on a quiz that you take on their website, which is really fun, asking you about your flavor profile, if you like blueberries, if you like your coffee black, if you like cream in it, what color shoes you have, what state you were born in, all that stuff goes into it, and they will send you a box every month with new wines for you to try. You can skip any month. You can cancel any time. There's no membership fees. It's good for people who don't have access to a good wine shop in their neighborhood. All of our listeners in Alaska, Alaska and places like that are unable to really get some bomb-ass ones. All you have to do is go to trywinkwinc.com slash the stew. And when you do that, you'll get $20 off your first shipment of wine. You can be one of those people where you just come home from work because you hate your job and then there's a box at your door and you think it's going to be like Amazon paper towels, but it's not. It's four bottles of wine that you're going to drink tonight. Trywinkwinc.com slash the stew if you do that even if you don't like it even if you think it's dumb just do it anyway and you will help support us thanks guys enjoy the show Hello, 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 hello. You're listening to The Stew. I'm Jason Stewart. Andre Conoparo, say hello. Hi. Our old friend and pod guest, Farley Elliott. With the best first name. Farley Elliott with the best first name. Guys, I just want to say thanks so much for having me back. Thanks for coming. Eater.co.uk. Eater.co.uk. That is a Lycos address, so it's a little bit of a workaround, but if Um. you... yeah. You can get there if you go through GeoCities. Yeah, GeoCities, Earthlink. Earthlink. Yeah, all, uh, the, all the big. Eater is one of the bigger GeoCities sites. Is still going, right? <laughs> that, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. You know, Friendster, um, wherever you are on the internet. Exactly. Exactly. Well, speaking uh, of, have you, are you on the new social media thing, the Vero? No, the guy who uh, owns and operates Vero is a terrible person. That's what Ooh. I just read recently. Yeah, yeah. that's he's what a, I just right. read. He's a like sort of semi-reclusive Middle Eastern billionaire who has like 30,000 allegations of labor abuses against him for literally leaving people who were building skyscrapers in the desert to die. This sounds like so, all of Dubai. <laughs> Pretty much like on a whole. Right, right. Got and listen, to the like, app game. Mark Zuckerberg is, is everything we know is terrible and everything that we don't know is probably even worse. Amazon beyond that. So we're never going to win. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to then also go out of my way to add more bad things into my life. No shocker here. What's Vero? it's a new social media platform Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's hoping to compete with instagram and twitter and all that stuff but it it's been it's been buzzing Mm -hmm. for the last couple weeks because it just came out and it's like the number one app in the app store and how's it trying to be different so the the idea it's actually been around since 2015 but now more um big people are starting to jump off of other platforms like snapchat and instagram because of problems that they have with those specifically so what vero does is uh a 
pay model, so they don't have ads. They also, for like content creators, people who make videos and photos, they allow you to size the images however you want. There's not like a mandatory crop, which is nice. Mm. People care about that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this idea that your feed is presented chronologically instead of via an algorithm. So like a lot of times in my Instagram feed, when I'm scrolling through for restaurants that I follow, they'll be like, hey, coming up today, we've got something cool happening right. in our space, and it's from two days ago. Yeah. So the algorithm is just like fucking with the way that a lot of people do business. Yeah, maybe about a year ago, Instagram switched from being chronological chronological to just this weird thing that didn't really make that much sense. And like you, I would see like invitations to like this event that's four days ago and and like your feed kind of gets clogged up. You don't you just want to see like what your friends are posting in the order that they're posting in. Right, right. And people did, are like frustrated with that. Did you sign up for Vero because you're looking for another way to get hacked online? Or? <laughs> I signed up to I signed up for it just so I could squat on my username. I haven't done anything with right. it and I'll wait to see if it's gonna be something that everyone uses and I have to yeah. hop on the bandwagon. But for now I have no use for it whatsoever. I think that's smart. I used to own uh, FarleyElliott.com, my name, but uh, I let it go years ago because I was using OverOverUnder.com as like a, a more business way to like – everyone always spells my name wrong and like it didn't make any sense for people. Right. I, could, I couldn't be like, go to FarleyElliott.com and they would never go. <clears throat> Two Ts, who fucking knew? Yeah, who knew? So I uh, had OverOverUnder, let Farley elapse in for years. It was like a – Discount Cialis website. Like, somebody yes. just put up a janky bootleg one. So, apparently, it's getting enough reticent traffic that they just paid pennies to buy it. And I just, I set up a notification and just like two months ago got it back. And now it's like a reroute to my other website or whatever. But feels good, it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, there were years when I was like, my grandmother, if she ever figures out the internet, is going to be sorely disappointed in me. <laughs> it was like, I think it was like 2002, I got my first dog myself, you know, not a family pet. And uh, his name was Hambone Jones. Woo! And for whatever reason, I meet. I was like, "Oh, I should for ten bucks like have the website just yeah. for fun." And it, to this day, it's still a porn website under construction, <laughs> but it's like it's got like hot <laughs> content coming to you soon from your favorite guys at Hambone Jones. And I was like, "God damn it." <laughs> I have I have so I have so many things to say. One, the idea of a porn site that is like we need to tell our future viewers that it's we're that we soon. are coming. Yeah. We gotta throw up a it's splash hot. page. It's hot. And that, that they're waiting. That Hambone is ever somehow really gonna make it into the lexicon in some sort of yeah. sexual way. Yeah. It's all great. That's it's all, all really and great. it's also slightly food related. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you having that as the name of your dog kind of ruined that phrase and that sex like it's not hot yeah. for you anymore, is no, what I'm saying. It kinda... Yeah, yeah, it's no longer your safe word. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. So we had to schedule this pod a little early because you're going to Mexico City. What is, what is the reason for this trip? I am... Uh, it seems to... like a real popular destination like right the, now. I feel like it is the West Coast food-eating destination <clears throat> of anybody I talk to who mm-hmm. lives anywhere remotely close to like this side. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and some of that is... is by design, you know, when you saw everybody was like flying through Reykjavik to get to Europe and they had all of these, uh, they had all these moments where they would like spend three days and they would take all the photos and like that stuff is because the tourism board or like Australia a couple of years ago or mm-hmm. right before that, the, the tourism board of those countries spent a lot of money to get people to go and take photos and it becomes this sort of zeitgeisty thing. I'm not going to Mexico City because somebody's paying me. I'm going because I want to eat very delicious Mexican food and it's only three to three and a half hours away. Yeah. So close. It's very close. And it, it's, it's sort of like Europe training wheels. Totally. It's, a, it's a very European city. Yeah. I've, I've, been to, 
I've been to Tijuana and, and that's at a Baja a bit, um, but yeah, ne- but have. never Mexico City. So um, I'm so excited to oh, hear what that been implication to Mexico is. City. Never been. It's my first time. So where are you going to? I'm staying in Condesa, and uh, I locked up a couple of. Listeners at home, by the way, sorry, there's a leaf blower outside, right outside my window. And he's, it's just, really, he's doing us all dirty. This is, how, <laughs> this is how it always goes when you do a podcast. Uh, so yeah, he, he's doing his thing. I'll be doing my thing in Mexico City. And I'm staying in Condesa and, and just like taking bikes around and, and eating around. I'm going to eat at Houston. I'm going to eat at um, Contramar. I'm going to go out to the pyramids north of the city at one point. Mm. Going for five days. It should be really fun. That's okay. so great. And then and street food. All street the food. buddy, right? You're going yeah. the buddy. Yeah, a good friend of mine who works remotely here in L.A. too, so we can kind of skip town when we need to. And the truth of it is, like, uh, the job that I have has a pretty high burnout rate. Like, five to six stories a day, five days a week is is a lot. And so it's in my best interest and in Eater's best interest to have me take some time off just sure. to, like, mellow out and not be in front of a computer. That mm-hmm. makes sense. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. That's very I smart. mean, I... I had, Two features go up yesterday, each almost a thousand words, plus five news stories. Like that's just an unsustainable business model. Sure. So, so eating tacos somewhere else is a nice. You're rubbed getaway. raw. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense that on your time off, you're going to fly three and a half hours to go eat tacos. <laughs> it checks out. <laughs> I get it. But I, I have to say that I have been there. There's right. like the street no, cred no, no, no. when I'm back to LA really matters. I haven't been since I was a kid. I'd love to go. And I, I assume when time. you're when you're going to go eat all this food, you're not going to like take any pictures of it or anything like that. Oh, no. you're just going to eat it and then go back to your room and yeah, go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I've queued up a ton of offline Netflix, and I'm just going to be hanging out in the room <laughs> doing nothing. Room service. You know, Rizzoli and I are seven seasons, so yeah, I got a lot I mean, of catching up to do that's hot you're going to be doing a little ugly delicious viewing what you know, are your thoughts on this i've seen a couple episodes uh i you know i i think it's it's great i like the uh for lack of a better word the sort of jazzy format of ugly delicious where it's like a lot of fun cuts and they make little you know colorful interstitials and that sort of thing um jazzy jazzy very jazzy but the truth is it's, I don't like the jazzy parts of it. You don't like the And I'm a jazzy part. fella. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's you, a little swinging and missy for me, but I like it overall a lot. Got it, got it. You know, I, I think I worry about uh, the same stuff that a lot of other smarter people have already talked about, that there's not, it's not a ton of female representation. You know, it's, um, mm. there's, there's, it's a lot of bros getting together in a car and driving around and talking about what bros think about food. Uh, I do think that, like, to his credit, Phil Rosenthal's show is is – Sort of goofy and pretty cheeky, but he takes a, a lighthearted tone and tries to do something really nice with it, you know? And that's, I think, for me personally, like, in this day and age, there's enough other bleak shit out there. Having somebody who's, like, playful and kind is a little more interesting to me right now. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Interesting. Yeah. Because I'm kind of the other way. I want to I go deep. Yeah? But oh. do you want, like, Bourdain deep? Because Bourdain's, like... I managed to eat this, like, delicious rice dish, but I was standing on top of a landmine while doing it, and 30,000 people around me died. Like, that's too much sometimes. I want to go deep into the food, okay. not deep into the politics of the region and, and the, the, the journey that they've gone through and the struggles of, or, or, or all of that stuff. Like, I just want to know, I want to see these food nerds going as, as deep into the food world as I can. Got it, got it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it just depends on like where you're at in your life because I'm sure that there are legions of David Chang fans who are going to watch it and think it's the most perfect thing. Uh, I like it, and I'm sure I'll finish watching every episode, but it doesn't feel to me like anything that I haven't seen a different version of already, mm-hmm. and I just wanted something with a little more like kindness to it. We need more kindness in 2018. Yeah, I, I agree. 
I agree. <laughs> it's uh, uh, my my wife runs an LGBTQ nonprofit, and she like constantly is a a standalone reminder in my life that there are harder people out there doing harder jobs. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's good to not take ourselves too seriously sometimes. I don't think I found the personality in food television that I can kind of get behind. Like, I don't know if we're supposed if we're going to compare like David Attenborough to Bourdain. It's not close enough or big enough for me, and I can't find someone with the same, I don't know, sensibility and watchability that I want. Because, I, I, you know, I, I find something or a, a large amount of things that somehow rub me the wrong way and ruin my viewing between <laughs> Bourdain, Chang, I mean, all of them, Phil yeah. Rosenthal. It's like, I got 10 minutes, and if the content's like the food content's good, and as long as that segment's good, I can watch it. And then instantly, within like five to ten minutes, something's like, yeah, and I'm turning this off. Right, Oof. right. Do you either of you guys find that you have uh, an insatiable uh, a space in your brain for food content, or do you get no. burned out? I'm burned out right now, baby. I'm not burnt out. Wow. Okay. I I I, I look I, I consume a lot, but a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is video related. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of like hitting on my senses of being a kid and like watching Food Network at my mommy's house as like what I would do to kind of calm and relax myself. Are you like a top down instructional taste made video? Here's how you make something, or you could give a shit about that style of video. Uh, I hate the taste made shit. Okay, but I like. I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube that's instructional that's in that format, mm-hmm. but that comes across with a little more. Uh, just normal, like instructional, like I know how to make this dish and I have a few tips that maybe you don't know and I'm going to show you how to do it. Got it. Instead of like ukulele, Jack Johnson music, <laughs> taste made cinnamon roll, monkey bread pizza right. thingy. Like that, that stuff I'm not that into, but like show me a few interesting things that I didn't already know. That's all I need to do. Okay. Or like give me an inspiration for a dish or show me a new way how to do something that I've always seen that I wanted to try, but assumed that I couldn't do it at home. Yeah. I take it back. I can watch Diners, Drivers, and Dives indefinitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I can, I can watch that show. And obviously, I don't want to hang out Guy Fieri, but he doesn't. He's, they, he's so corralled and so same every time, and he never injects himself for the most part into anything. Like, what's weird is he's got such a distinct style, but I think like, th- he almost has zero ego on that show. Mm-hmm. Like he's never, they never use a piece of him like kind of talking about what he would do yeah. or, or his journey or anything or any of the fucking nonsense that's supposed to make him taken seriously. It's just like, I'm here at your restaurant. I want to talk about what you make and then we're going to laugh about it and I'm going to say a stupid word that I invented. Yeah. Like I can deal with that completely. And, and Hunter and Ryder would love this. Right. Bomb, this bomb dish. That's, you, the, that's as far as his personal life is injected in. And I'm sure I, it has to exist because he is a media personality but like there's so little self-importance and narcissism that he displays in that show i can i can just kind of deal with the ra- the like the oakley razors and, <laughs> and, and the vintage cars that they rent the picture cars they rent for each show i can totally deal with um and it's also consistently different content in a very like unassuming format right my only issue is having done enough of those like late night red-eyed can't sleep TV binges, yeah. like he does not 
ever sit down to eat. That's true. And it's like it's true. You watch enough episodes, and it's like I never thought of that. Like, but you're, just sit, I can't, man. I just can't. one time, sit. Like you, I can't think you must of be once. So tired. I can't think of once. <laughs> I never thought of that. You're in this like kitchen standing purgatory. Yeah. Like. You are walking around a <laughs> yeah. restaurant constantly. He never, I guess, ever is sitting. Well, I guess once in a while he'll sit next to somebody at a table, right? <laughs> yeah. And talk, like not eat, but just yeah. be like, "So, what are you eating?" And I've done, I've done enough. Like, it's hard to look not insane eating something on camera. Everybody yeah. looks nuts, yeah. <laughs> and like the bites you take are too big, and inevitably that's the time you get something in your beard or in your teeth. And that dude takes hundreds of bites on camera every episode, never sitting down, and you don't even notice it. Like that's a fucking skill in yeah. its own way. When you're standing, you're you're in the position of power. You're, yeah, he's able to he's able to keep the, the thing going, and then he's afraid of a sit down because then it could get a little Bordainy <laughs> and be like, "Tell me about these landmines." Yeah, and like now we have to really get into like the hardships <laughs> of this business or something. <laughs> no, we're fully at the point where we have like forgiven diners, drive-ins, and dives, and Guy Fieri for any odd sense of misjustice. Like he's now just a dude who is on TV that we either like or are neutral about, and I think that that's right. fine. He doesn't need to be a villain, even if you don't like him. It's true. He's kind of the Bill. He's Bill Clintoning right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. yeah. Well, right, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, I guess if he can help him, I don't like know. When I saw George W.'s paintings, I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still a war criminal, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, play saxophone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was the one. <laughs> Arsenio, baby. Um, I also saw that Eater is doing a new podcast. Speaking of this, what's it called? Uh, Eating out loud? Yes, yeah. That that happens through our, our national office. So I don't know too much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't run that sort of stuff through me. Thank God. I just get to <laughs> sit out here. We, we may be doing a West Coast podcast this year too. Um, if we do, just know I'm coming for your throats. Are you going to be on it? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would be on it, exactly. Delicious. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Good. I mean, you should be on it because you're, you're good at talking. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to send... Mowers and blowers over to your house every time. Sabotage. I'm gonna hack into your GCal account and figure out when you guys are recording pods. <laughs> it's sabotage from day one. Damn, I love that. yeah, classic yeah. eater shit. You know what I mean? It, uh, man, it, like 2015 eater when I started full time, nobody gave a shit the way that they do now. I mean, some people did, but it, it the the numbers bear out that we just were not as popular. And it's kind of fun if you're willing to like do the the hard work of like scrapping to get shit. You know. I I now get sent a lot of stuff just because Eater is in a pretty unique position in LA to be owning a lot of the food coverage, and it's right. it's really great. And it, and I could spend entire days not leaving my house and writing up stuff that other people have sent to me. But there's a lot of fun about going out and getting fucking frisky and like <laughs> scaling a fence and taking a photo of a place before it's finished. Like that makes you feel young. It is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so why do you why do you like that? Because I feel like you've probably created some enemies in the food world he's, of LA. You still got the fire in the bed. Dude. Right, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like I'm. You have to be egotistical enough to want to win at least that at some level. Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I still my best days are calling somebody and they're like, "How did you get this number? And how do you know about this project?" Like that is cool for me. And that's I, what you like, and I love doing that. You yeah. little shit. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Like, but also you kind of you have the sense and the presence of mind to know when. Too far is too far, like because totally. you have the power in certain situations to like 
fuck somebody's business up or like yeah and, and it's it's important to, to create a delineation here which is to say i'm a journalist so i, I wouldn't cover something uh, eh. that was oh, all right no i'm just kidding that's just fair kidding. that's fair no, kind wouldn't. of like how jonathan gold has the power to shut down like ruin someone's life with but, one yeah, he, article he could potentially like cut somebody's throat for sure but yeah. i'm I deal in facts, and so as long as like facts don't matter, baby. <laughs> as long as the information I have is is accurate and verifiable, um, maybe it hurts somebody's business. Maybe it, it doesn't. I'm not out to hurt anybody's business, but mm-hmm. I do have an obligation to to my readers, to the people who give me my paycheck, to be first to news. So like, there's a bar in downtown. That's, that's the that's the number one thing. And that's exactly it's it. speed. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. There, there's a bar in downtown called Apotech from New York City. Um, nice enough guys. You know, we were talking to them a little bit about trying to get in. For the opening, and they just went radio silent a few weeks before they were going to open. And I'd emailed, had their phone number, called. So you burn text. it down to the ground. So just I torched like our it. podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I torched it. Italian lightning <laughs> to the building. All right, fair enough. So uh, I heard through some mutual friends that they were going to have a friends and family, and I sent him and he, the owner, Chris Tierney, the day before. I was like, "Hey, man, I heard you're doing a friends and family. Like, you know, I want to get in and take photos before all this stuff goes on social media. That's what an exclusive is. That's where you get traction and we get traction. No word. So I went in that Thursday night for friends and family, and I showed up at the front door and I was like hey I live in the neighborhood not technically inaccurate depending on how big you want to <laughs> define the neighborhood and was like I just wanted to, to take a look around and they let me inside and I took photos and I took a menu and I took a photo of the menu and I posted them up online the next day and I, it's all accurate information based on what happened when I was there but like mm-hmm. my job is to deliver that news I want to work with people as much as possible but sometimes that's not always the way it goes down mm-hmm. how many times a week do you watch all the president's men <laughs> I watch falling down a lot you more watch falling than- down a lot more that's how that's- so it's a, wh- it's a good mix, those wh- two. Why would they be resistant to you doing that? Or were they not resistant? They were just busy and didn't get back to you? No, no. He, he was resistant. Um, he sent me a, a couple of pretty nasty emails afterwards and, and talked a lot about how he has a, a particular style in which he does things. And I was like, I get that, but that's not my style. And like... You know, I, I want to bring you into this fold, but if you're not going to talk to me about what you think you should be doing, then you you get left out of the story. And I run with the most accurate information that I have. And so I think sometimes people are a little nervous about opening because it's a big thing, especially if they're coming from a different city and you, you only get to open once. You know, you want to put your best foot forward. I, I think that comes from working with Eater instead of working against Eater, but not mm-hmm. everybody agrees. There's yeah. a fucking mafia in this town. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you guys... Uh, yeah, I mean, behind Yelp, I guess you guys kind of are the biggest food mafia in in town, huh? Mafia is a little strong, but I love. Mafia is a little strong. I do we're, love to project just a little bit of darkness. We're being dramatic. Off mic, he's going to say that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> is what's up with the Yelp documentary that was supposed to come out? Oh, I don't know. Like exposing all of the crazy fucking mafia tactics. I, I've been waiting for it to come out forever. They, pro- they probably probably buried it. I still use Yelp all the time, though. Yeah, I mean, how are you guys using Yelp functionally? Like, do you look at the ratings, or do you just go, what's in my neighborhood and actually open? Yeah, it'll be, I mean, neighborhood, I don't know. Uh, it's usually, like, I, I feel like there's not much to figure out in neighborhood. It's always when I'm not somewhere that I'm familiar with, <laughs> and I don't even look. It's usually, like, if it's got more than one star and it sounds like something I want to eat, I start reading reviews. Got it. So I can weed through the, they charge 40 cents for water here. <laughs> so I can fucking skip all those basic nonsense, stupid reviews. My wife and I came here for our anniversary and they didn't even say goodbye. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, so I don't yeah, You, you kind of use it in two ways. Like if you're in a neighborhood and like, I really want pizza, what is the best slice of pizza in Westlake Village? Yeah. And and you can do that. And then otherwise, like, checking out a restaurant that you've heard a lot about, and you can kind of 
read through and the perception of all the reviews and like pick out and it's like a skill like you feel like you have a good idea of figuring out if you yourself will like a restaurant based on all the reviews and you can filter out all the nonsense stuff that andre was just talking about and focus on the other the good stuff and be like because it's risky there's so many restaurants yeah yeah and they cost so much money and you don't you know, you want to increase your chances of having an enjoyable meal as much as possible. Totally. I, I think I operate a little bit differently just because of the job that I'm in, in, in that a, a bad time at a restaurant is still a good time for me because it's information. And I now know that mm. that restaurant is doing something wrong or that I don't need to return or that I would or would not interact with that restaurant in the future through my work or by telling my friends or something. So I Pain look is at, pleasure. Yeah, exactly. It's all pleasure, baby. <laughs> I've seen the first season of Billions. I know how it goes. So you love judging so much that a bad <laughs> restaurant experience is still a W yeah, it's, for, it's, it's still for the good. God. So I also like I get hit up all day long by people who are like, I'm going to be in this neighborhood or what do you think about this mm-hmm. restaurant? I'm constantly giving recommendations. I'm sure you guys too. The only thing I ever mm-hmm. ask of the people who, mm-hmm. who want recommendations is for them to tell me if they liked the place uh, and if it was busy or not. So in a sense, I'm constantly gathering a small amount of data from places all over the city whenever somebody's eating in Malibu or the South Bay or the Valley or whatever. And I can sort of know, even if I'm not there, what this person thought of it. That's my version of Yelp. Mm -hmm. But I don't ever look at the star ratings and I don't even read the people's reviews. The day I gave up was... Maybe three months into John and Vinny being open, they had a small kitchen fire that put them down for a week. And I went to write that story for Eater, and I was on their Yelp page, and two people that same night had already left one-star Yelp reviews because they showed up and the place was burning. <laughs> like, if that has the same... If that yeah, has the same... Crazy. If you're allowed to give a star to that and to a person who writes an eloquent 400-word essay on why they liked the mozzarella sticks, like, <laughs> those two are not and never should be equal, and if you put them in the same basket, it's all meaningless. Terrible right. dinner. The restaurant wasn't even extinguished. <laughs> yeah, <It> was, like, <laughs> that's nuts. Which is a bad sign. That's a bad, bad sign. I mean, I feel like I use Yelp pretty much in L.A. only when I'm not in a familiar place. Because mm-hmm. whenever I go somewhere mm. else, I just Google best something right. and avoid Yelp until I've exhausted every other small, like, whatever local weekly paper that actually has the great top tens. Right. Because when I'm in... A city I've never been before. I mean, I kind of don't want the dirtiest taco stand possible. I mean, I would love if I got that recommendation from someone personally. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of like you're looking for the club hits when you're in like a brand new city. Like yeah. you want to find out where the key spaca is or wherever you, you know, want. You want to get the voodoo there. donuts, even yeah, though there's exactly. probably a better donut let's, place. Let's do that. And usually, like Yelp is not the way to find that. The only, <laughs> the only soft spot I have in in my heart for Yelp, and I've only found one truly like incredible gem I had never heard of was this place in the neighborhood, like between Glendale and Atwater's, which we've talked about, which is Hamlet's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I found that on Yelp buying tires, and it's like so. I've got one place that I will always remember that I was like, "Holy shit!" Nobody told a me true about this organic Yelp thing. discovery, yeah. right? And that's one, and that's that's one. only one. <laughs> so I'm not saying, but. It's like if you if you pick any platform or any magazine or any bad TV show, if they give you one true gift, you will never forget. That right. Like, well, you know, I still they, use they these steer me I right. found this yeah. one time. The, fir- the first thing. hit was free. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of the Yelps, uh-huh. I just read a, uh, an Eater article about a hot chicken <laughs> pop-up place in mm-hmm. 
in the valley. In North Hollywood, yeah. In North Hollywood. Did you see this, Andre? No. It's, what's it called? The Raging so Hot it's, Chicken? It's called Raging Hot Chicken. It's by a guy named Gabe Killian. Um, he, he's an, a nice enough guy. He opened a hot chicken place. He knows the Dave's Hot Chicken guys uh, apparently from like childhood and is oh. uh, sort of modeled on that same aesthetic. It's in a parking lot, chicken tenders. They Which is buy, buy food from Smart and Final and sell it in a parking lot. Yeah, I don't. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't say. <laughs> I can't fries. say where he's like actually buying his food from. But like, yeah, buying food, frying it up, styrofoam, a little slaw on the side. Mostly a cash only business. You wait forty minutes or more, and you get your food and your leave. Um, the difference with this guy is that he has taken to Yelp to start yelling at a lot of people who left really negative reviews. Um, oh, so he does the response, but it's a nasty response? Yes. Like, and, and, it's like a real talk response? Well, and... and, and but it's like cyberbullying. And to oh, the point... Cool. So he seems awesome. <laughs> so he, his big claim is that some or many of his negative reviews are trolls who have somehow descended on his restaurant as, in order to drag it down the Yelp ratings that they've never actually eaten there and that they can't prove that they've eaten there. So he should be allowed to say whatever he wants to these people who left reviews that he deems as trolls. But there are also people that he has confirmed to me that they ate there and that gave a negative review and that he has started following across the internet on their Facebook, on their friend's Facebook, and threatening, physically threatening, saying, I'm going to beat you up if I find you. You fucked with the wrong person. Um, (laughs) We have a lot of screenshots of this guy talking in the DMs, uh, and he has said some pretty pretty strange and kind of hurtful things to me directly um, once I told him that we were reporting out on this story. So he's, he's definitely got some, some beef and some issues with folks who don't like his chicken. This is amazing. <laughs> what a horrible human. It, just see, it seems, I mean, obviously you probably can't speak on the subject because you're directly involved. Yeah, he... Uh, but I can. He sounds bored. <laughs> he has... Uh, uh, he's a, he's a pretty aggressive guy. He writes about and, and does some MMA stuff on the side. Classic <laughs> checks out. Uh, also, also does very moody stand up comedy. Check. And, Ooh, uh, <laughs> no, didn't see that coming. And did uh, not see that coming. You know, we he he's threatened to try to bring a lawsuit against my company and that sort of stuff. So yeah, that'll work out. Well. A little bit limited in in what I could actually say, but right. yeah, absolutely. Like, do we get him on the pod, Andre? I think does he have a good bit about cigars? Because if he does, I'm going to see him. Live. <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, I couldn't think. I mean, in 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 this day and age where everyone screen caps everything and shares everything instantly, it just seems like the worst business move of all time to like public and and stand by it. Yeah, be like, yeah, you you should come to me so I could beat you up because if I have to find you, it's going to be a lot worse, you bitch. Like yeah. like mean, like high school bullying, <laughs> fight me in the parking lot stuff while yeah. while he's like trying to sell food right. at a restaurant. Obviously, goes without saying, <laughs> a fairly horrible human. I'm probably going to get killed. For I'm ready that. for the turn. <laughs> no, but I find it refreshing. Oh, I find it refreshing that if he's going to act like that, he does it 100 percent of the time. Across platforms, yes. in your face, on social media, stands by his word. It's not like yeah. he's not doing that and then denying it. You'd rather have the devil you know. Yeah, I mean, it's like absolutely one hundred percent not insidious, not Machiavellian, not on the low. He's just like, yeah. I'm doing it, and if you ask me, I'm going to do it twice. And like, like, 
Yeah, yeah he, he didn't when, yeah, when he got me. caught and exposed, he didn't backpedal yeah. and change his story. That. He's still saying like oh, drop yeah. a pin bitch, I will fight you. Yeah, he, <laughs> he blocked me on Twitter on the way to this podcast. Uh, after after sending me a, a long screed again. Just a picture of him lo- like cleaning his guns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's man, it's so fascinating because I try to be nice to everybody. I try to befriend people, but everybody knows what my job is. I'm not coming to anybody under some pretense. And so to be that dude who's like, yes, all of this stuff is real. I think that they deserved it. And I'm going to give you quotes. Like I will say, this is my official statement on this and allow you to publish right. it is like, uh, definitely far outside of the standard operating procedure. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's like, that's uh that's a very like modern, like you said, MMA style of being a soup Nazi where it's like, <laughs> It's like somewhere between Soup Nazi and Kevin Smith's Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back at the end, where they mm-hmm. f- they find every kid who talks shit about them on the internet and just beat them up at and their just house. keep going. Yeah, it's but I like feel, somewhere between those two, he's he's found he's I think, found his niche. I think that kind of thing is refreshing, but I feel like the food has to be amazing to do that. And I feel like there's no way this that his hot chicken well, shack goes, is I mean, good. This goes into like the conversation of like the classic because the soup Nazi soup. It's just that good. You put up with it. What's well, no? Nothing is. Nothing's that good and worth it. And it goes back to that conversation about kind of demeanor in the kitchen and you know the '90s style French trained chef screaming, dominating, humiliating. Mm-hmm. Like that. I mean, even if that's the pervasive personality of that, or whether that's the film industry, there's just never a place for it. Period. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't in positions to choose who they can work for or not. Mm-hmm. But it's disgusting, and it never has a place. And it's there's no chicken finger worth that asshole. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, that's what we call a pull quote right there. <laughs> That's he, good. He may, he may, uh, he may just have that that sort of enduring old school attitude, which is like so divisive and wrong headed. But like, literally, he's got the right food for the attitude. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not like he's it's called raging hot really, chicken. Yeah, or I'm uh, not even the name. I just mean like the food <laughs> itself. He's not serving like really kind of hyper forward thinking, you know, right. molecular gastronomy. Spicy parking lot chicken yeah. wonder bread. <laughs> we got two kinds of fries. Fries and fries. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, the, the last line of the story from him is, anybody who cares about me talking shit to a troll is a giant politically correct millennial pussy. And that's on the record as well. Hell yeah. Don't tell that to Andre because Andre is going to get behind that kind of talk. <laughs> what? <laughs> you just said hell yeah with a smile. Oh, just that, like that—that that he's just saying that and like use this. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's real fun to listen. You to. Could, yeah, it has a real uh, I'm not behind that WWF interview kind of style. Yeah, yeah. He needs. Uh, he <laughs> he's he's definitely like a pro wrestling manager. That's for sure. Um, I also other. I was just looking at your all, all of your your Twitter feeds, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I I saw the uh, the skies tacos. Yeah. That you're talking about. And I've never heard of Sky's Tacos. I've never heard of Sky's. Sky's is great. So I used to live in that neighborhood, Mid City. Um, I was on Redondo in Venice for a long time, and Sky's was really good. It's in Mid City. Mid City. <laughs> what? Shouts Mid City. Um, I was in Mid City yesterday. Yeah, what'd you think? You know, there's streets that you can drive on. That yeah. is. <laughs> you had a it's technically at Felix. They have streets. <laughs> you, had, you had a meeting at Felix? Mm-hmm. Wow! Big Daddy meeting. Felix, yeah. Felix meeting. Leo was there. Woo! Go uh, out there, get all the pastas, get your pod body ready. You're good. <laughs> I feel awful. 
<laughs> I ate so much yesterday. That's great. That's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah, North Korea is coming for us all. Eat the pasta. Uh, so Strong point. Sky's Gourmet Tacos is uh, an amazing woman, Barbara Burrell, who's been doing it for 25 years at this little standalone. I mean, the place that she cooks out of is, is not much bigger than the room we're in, sincerely. Mm-hmm. And it's next to all these auto body shops. And she just does. I have a giant house for our listeners. <laughs> So big, I guess I should have set that it's up. It's a big operator. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Basketball. tall man. It's a big Basketball house. court size, something like that. <laughs> so uh, it's super inauthentic uh, tacos. You couldn't even call it Mexican food. But uh, think like ground beef tacos, um, lobster, shrimp. They do nachos. They do like boneless pork tacos. And so it's this kind of marriage of soul food, but also Mexican food, but also this kind of amalgamation that you're seeing across South L.A. with guys like All Flavor No Grease, Taco Mel, Mr. Fry's Man, people who are getting a ton of attention. Like Kevin Durant is like hanging out. <laughs> With all these are all uh, these are all dance hall MCs. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, no, no. Blue Mr. Counter. Fry, I mean, these are all people that that started out as underground street cooks in South LA that are now making big names for themselves. Mm-hmm. All Flavor Negris, one hundred twenty-five thousand Instagram followers, and like NBA yeah. players during the off season come and hang out with him. Like mm-hmm. it's that kind of life. And so this woman has been doing essentially her version of that for twenty-five years, and like paying it forward to a community that maybe didn't even know to, to your guys' point that she exists. And so she's in this really interesting place now where she is starting to expand and grow her business. She just opened up a second location. She might be moving her original location, but she still has that fire to just kind of like do everything herself and bootstrap it and start with a thousand dollars and a wolf stove and just make it all happen. And it just so happens like her mm. lobster taco is one of the most unique quote unquote Mexican taco things you could eat in Los Angeles, but it's also fucking delicious. And the woman who makes it is like wild and crazy and fun. And it's like a perfect encapsulation of what LA does better than any other city in America. And wow. what, what is the taco to get there that you think? That, that lobster taco is great. Is really really fantastic. What, what, what's on is it? Is it like langoustine? So it's uh, yeah, it's not it's not super hearty. It's not like a you know a full tail or anything. It's like seven ninety nine or whatever. It's it's a good size, bigger than a street taco. And they do this very interesting thing that you see in some Mexican places when they're like taking all the drippings from say the trompo and they're swiping the tortillas and kind of cooking them on the griddle that way. She does it with her seasonings. And so it's oil and then all this like kind of cayenne powder and cumin and stuff, and then just griddles it off that way. So the tortilla is crispy at the edges, but still pretty soft in the middle. Corn tortillas. And, uh, shredded lettuce on top, like the, the bag cheese. Love it. And this like big hearty couple of bites of lobster. And it's like, delicious it's so good they do the burritos open-faced so it's just a huge round tortilla with all the ingredients and they're like wrap it if you wanna like this is this is shocking this is the first time i've ever heard of an open-faced burrito (laughs) do you know of another place that does no no not at all amazing sour cream if you want it you know like it's the place is literally whatever you want it to be. She, I want there to be no utensils but plastic gloves. Yes. Yeah. It's like, you, we don't have utensils, but if you need like a hand wrap, yeah. sure. The sure. I, I don't know. Bowling crab style. I couldn't tell you why they chose to leave their burritos open. It might have just been out of necessity because somebody couldn't figure out how to do it right. I have no idea. But that's... They lost a bet in the 60s, and they're just like, yeah, but you know, we traded pinks, and now I got to do an open-faced burrito. I don't know what to tell you. Have you tried closing a a burrito? It's impossible. (laughs) That's that's like, there's there's no more L.A. story than that. Like, when you hear West Avila talk about Gorilla Tacos and the quote-unquote authenticity of what he cooks for Mexican food being an Angelino, that's no different than what Sky is doing. Like, her open-faced burritos are just as welcome, even though they're insane in their own markets. Right. Like, 
It's cool. We need to make a little little trip out there. Take a little jaunty. Andre and I just went, uh, did a little Mariscos Jaliscos this weekend. Ooh. Yeah, we did. First time or you guys have been? We, we've been. Okay. But it's been too okay. long. Too long. It's always too long, Mariscos Jalisco. It's That's for crazy sure. how, I mean, we went on a Sunday afternoon, 75 people there probably. Yeah. Just bumping. Crushed. The full dining room, full... It's amazing. And they're opening an actual yep. restaurant. restaurant out, out in Pomona. Yeah. And that's the real trip of it. Like, you were making fun of me about going to Mexico City and, like, just eating Mexican food there. It's obviously, you know, L.A., greater L.A. is the second biggest Mexican market in the world. But I, I think a lot of the most interesting stuff is actually happening out on the, the quote-unquote fringes, you know, the San Bernardinos, the Pomonas, the deep south L.A.'s. You can go to Marisco Salisco probably in 20 minutes from wherever we're recording this podcast. But mm-hmm. to drive to Pomona, you will get that and then a variety of stuff that you couldn't even imagine as possible because they're just catering to their communities. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. I just went to a newer place on uh, Slauson called Teddy's Red Tacos that does Tijuana-style birria tacos. So like Ooh. that kind of stewed in the morning. You get the consomme cup. Mm-hmm. And you know they park along the train tracks, and they do the, a similar thing to Skies where they griddle their tortillas a little bit. So it all comes with a little bit of cheese, almost like a molita, even if you're just getting a regular taco. Ooh. And it's good, man. It's good. And you don't they don't need to serve anybody but the community that's already there. I love those tacos, those Tijuana stuff. Like you, right when you get across the border mm-hmm. and they hand you a little cup of that consomme, you know, dip the tortilla in there. Oh, great. It's a good and like one costs a dollar, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I try to, anytime I go to the Valle de Guadalupe, I try to stop at uh, Tacos Aron in Playa. So it's like on the drive out and it's that. And it's like so busy and so delicious. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's, a, that's I need Where? to make that trip again. Tacos Aron yeah. in Tijuana? Yeah. It's like if you're driving, I'm going to not wait, know. But, wait, of, so it's on the Mexican side? It's on the Mexican side, uh, yeah. For the second, the way I heard that, I was like, oh, wait, no, I couldn't no, no. tell where it's it was. It's in the Playa neighborhood of Tijuana. It's okay. on the Mexican side. Okay. Yeah, so you start kind of skirting out towards the ocean, and before you make that big bend and start heading straight south, it's like right in that little pocket neighborhood. Mm. Fantastico. <laughs> que rico. <laughs> uh, Farley, do you want to take some questions from the internet? I would love to. And Andre can also join in for like the real... The real cookery questions. Yeah, I feel like you're not. No. Well, he's going to know more than you will. Absolutely. Maybe not. I'm. I'm so non adept when it comes to like actual home cooking. We all know Farley's very bad at cooking. Very bad at cooking. <laughs> Great at eating. Great at eating. Uh, Husbanding. Put it on the tombstone, baby. <laughs> Great at eating. The only thing he can cook. <laughs> Died the way he lived, getting beaten by a man who owns a hot chicken place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you need us to beat up anyone for you, Farley, we're here to do it. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll start with the softball. Max Hughes, opinions on pasta salad. It's not enough information, but thumbs up. (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, people. It, I mean, pe- there are people who hate pasta salad. For for me, there's a trifecta here, which is pasta salad, macaroni salad, and, and then uh, wine style, and then, but, and then potato salad. Potato salad. Those those to me are like the trinity of side salads, especially growing up on the East Coast, like barbecues, home cooking, picnics, that sort of stuff. Pasta salad for me comes in third out of those three, but I'm not opposed to it, especially if you give me like those big chunks of like salami and cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, that's good. The right, tricolor is, pasta. Is potato above macaroni? Potatoes you? far and away the number one. Mm. I used to in college. I we, like a naughty macaroni what were the salad three? though. Potato, <laughs> potato, mac- macaroni salad, and pasta salad. Pasta salad. Yeah. So we're delineating between macaroni and pasta salad. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Those are va- those are vastly different to me. One is the okay. elbow with like um, mayonnaise, mayonnaise and, then a little, and celery and yep. sweet. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And then pasta salad is like the tricolor noodle with the big chunks of salami, like an Italian dressing. Got it. Very different. Yeah, chunks of hard oh, cheese. So I was I was gonna say thumbs up because I was thinking Tomato. of like the like yeah the island style. Really heavy mayo, probably pineapple juice, <laughs> and like mm. slices of celery, and maybe like peas. That's or what I was thinking weird. at first. Yeah, that that one I like. That to me is max. The out. pasta salad I will never eat for any reason unless it's truly like something shining. <laughs> like nothing makes me more like triggered to eat pasta and have it not good. Wow! Like to have it have, to eat mediocre pasta is depresses me on a clinical <laughs> level. You might as well be I'm eating like, sheets I, of printer paper. Yeah, why did I do that? Right, that's horrible. Right? Yeah, if it, it's it's calories, it's carbs. It's yeah, not, your body's not going to. And if I had just like an olive oil and salt, lemon, like whatever they're doing, a little bit of parsley, I would just be like, well, I, I wouldn't eat it. Right. But I would just be very sad if I did, and I'd be like, God. But Love's an Island-style Mac Sal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Sweet yeah, and the creamy. Ma- the so Mac salad good. is right where I want to be. Exactly. Well, Max, fuck pasta salad. We hate it. <laughs> but and, my, and I, like, I like a savory potato salad. I love, you know, decent potato salad, love potato salad. But my favorite by far kind of comes in that same profile, like the Korean style, like with some... Like Asian pear or apple, mm-hmm. and that's also probably got pineapple juice or yep. something sweet in there. Yeah, or I've it's, heard, le- it's less dill, more like citrusy. Or yeah. I've heard that they use like the Yakult, the that um, digestive yogurt, like the probiotic, yeah, yogurt. Probiotic. probiotic little guy. Yep. I've heard some people say that that's the secret ingredient in like the cream. Don't give salad. away the that's secrets the of the banchan, Andre. Okay. <laughs> I won't. And I and I'm I still haven't tried that yet. Okay. Yeah, I think it works well because it has like. I, I don't know. I think it's dairy free. I don't know if it's dairy free, but it kind of has that emulsifying esque quality more so than like a, a fruit juice would. Mm-hmm. But I, I also don't know that well. It's basically just like MSG milk. I don't. I don't have a version of Great. that kind of potato Daddy salad like that I stand behind <laughs> as being really good. Uh, Richard Parks the Third. Hey, RP three. RP three. Love RP three. <laughs> Dis- hey, buddy. Discuss the idea of being a regular and what this means to you. How it changes your relationship to the food and which places do you frequent and why. Ooh. When he said wow, me, that what, is just a really good question. He sent me that question. I was like, cool, this is a New Yorker article. <laughs> yeah, not, that's a, not a question on this podcast. <laughs> that's like a third of this, a third... <laughs> Of the time this podcast runs, that should be one segment because there's so much to mm. pull apart. But I was talking about this last night at, at dinner about like being a regular and it's kind of like not – it's not so much of you wanting to get like free shit or like little promo thing. He's like, oh, we sent you out a dessert or something like that. It's more of like the feeling of knowing when you show up and there's – 50 people waiting in for you and the guy comes over to me he's like hey you know, come over here like we'll sneak you in like that's all you want coming yeah. coming from a former doorman over here to my life <laughs> <laughs> but that's also that's like shut there's, up Val there's so many versions of what it means to be a regular to somebody and you were this you had this conversation probably last night because the man the guy you were eating with Scott the plug he is the regular he does mm-hmm. get the table when he wants it at Felix kind of mm-hmm. thing right yeah, and it's a good, and it's a good feeling to have. It's a great feeling when you, have. especially especially when you're going alone. And I feel like sushi is probably the the the, the restaurant type where you get that regular treatment the most. And you kind of like you sit down in front of your sushi chef that you always go to, 
and you can totally be alone. You don't have to talk to anyone. And then they can be, and then what, well, and the sushi stuff, they can be like, hey, you right? Know. Sushi's engineered to be the most, yeah. the most regular, friendly environment ever because Felix got a fixed menu. Right. They have consistency in dishes. Sushi starts fresh every morning. In theory, it's with, easier for oh, them like, to bump you some stuff on the yeah. side, and mm-hmm. you know, also but, but every, they consistently will have different things depending on mm-hmm. what's at the market. Right. You know, in a way, mm-hmm. that, like, but it's kind of you know, it's a. Uh, it's a service industry, you know, and like if you if you come in once a week and you're the guy, you get a couple bottles of wine and you get the expensive shit, then you know, like hey, you know, make sure yeah, this, make in- sure this guy doesn't leave without a budino, and make sure that if this thing can have truffles on it, you shave a few truffles on there, like right, give him that focaccia, not that focaccia, <laughs> like give him the good one, you know, like just those little things. Yeah, you know, I'm in a position right now because of some recent news articles. I'm looking to switch up my routine a little bit for a little while. (laughs) But otherwise, uh, I... So witness protection is what you're talking about. I I have some spots. Plastic surgery. (laughs) (laughs) I would love this as an excuse to get like a weight loss surgery. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, I've got some spots that that I'm a a quote unquote regular at, but a lot of it is just because it it fits into the, with the greater routine of my life. Um, Dinosaur coffee in Silver Lake. Like I used to live really close by. I still go, if I'm heading that way for work and I'm just kind of jumping coffee shop to coffee shop, dinosaur will be a first stop for me. Picking a hard one to park at. I, I just park in the, neighborhood around the corner mm-hmm. just get it done you walk for five minutes it's lovely that's true but for me uh you're absolutely right in talking about it's it's less about getting free shit getting the promo it's more just to i want to walk into dinosaur and people are like hey farley i want to leave and people were like bye farley like i love that <laughs> even if i'm just using their bathroom bye <laughs> bitch <Right. laughs> later honey like that's yeah me. you want to be able to go in there and use the bathroom without buying a latte and and not feel guilty about and it. And just blow up the bathroom and know they're going to take care of it, you know? <laughs> know that they're just going to be like that's Farley. But but you 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 have a lot of relationships with a lot of restaurants yes. obviously. Yeah. And this is something that I think about sometimes like where you're if you're say you're taking a girl out on a date to a restaurant mm-hmm. Is it better or worse to go to a place where you have the plug versus a place where you don't? Because if you go to a place where you have the plug, they're like, oh, he's just taking me here because he's going to get a fucking half off on his meal. But like you get good service and there's a good energy and like, oh, Mr. Jason, this is he again. Versus like go to a place you've never been before spending full price because you care about this person enough to drop some serious coin on a date. Which is better or worse? I think it's got to be the first one. No, see, you guys guys have this shit so twisted. (laughs) There's so many different types of women, and there's an equal amount of women that will be as disgusted by that behavior as impressed. Uh Well, I I don't know. I'm saying, what do you think about it? What I'm saying is, there's no answer. There's no, yeah, there's no answer. We're saying Jason's a scumbag. What we're also saying is, let's if we extrapolate it out to like just kind of any person, I I think most people want to feel, to your point, taken care of. It's a hospitality business. You know, there are too many restaurants for any one person to eat at in this city or most any city in America. So the places we're going to gravitate to are things that feed us uh, comfort, give us food that we like, have people there that we like, give us experience. Experiences that we enjoy. I would much rather spend my time in the vast majority of America. Would much rather spend their time in a place that feels comfortable. So I'd take a girl, I'd take my wife, I'd take a friend to a place where I've got the hookup, just because it makes everybody feel more comfortable. Well, I think it goes also to what you said, where it's, it's especially if you're going somewhere expensive. 
I mean, if, if you want to leave all the shithead douchebags out of this conversation about <laughs> wanting to look cool in front of people, like, what does this actually get you? And if we're also stripping out free food, which is, I think, really kind of rare. Maybe you get an appetizer to come out. But right. if you're a regular, they can't do that to you twice a week. Like, you know right. what I mean? Right. But what you want to know is, is that they, and you, you know, hopefully you're, you're a regular at a restaurant that does this for everybody, but in the idea that it, you're going to spend forty or fifty dollars on, on an entree, that like they're going to make sure you get a good one. You're not going to get one you have to throw back or turn back or awkwardly mm. eat because you don't want to. Like <clears throat> they're going to give you the best version they and, have, and they're going to know what you like and don't like, and be like, actually, you probably won't like this one. You should get this one. And kind of thing. look, whether it's you know whether it's completely arbitrary whether it's true or not if they know your name and they recognize you it's that that intrinsic human connection that you everyone looks for in any aspect of their life that is not just somebody who's a hostess or a host and has to smile and has to say hi whether it's different behavior or not than they give everyone the fact that they know you and the fact that they know your name gives you that sense of belonging and that sense of recognition that you know anyone looks for anywhere. Right. Feels nice. And I think... It does feel nice. It, of course it does. Yeah, and, and this is why I, in my role, I'm, I'm not anonymous. I spend the vast majority of my time going to restaurants unannounced because uh, the odds are... Surprise, the, bitch. <laughs> the, the person... <laughs> <laughs> Telegraph, bitch. <laughs> the, the idea that, like, the person who's who's running the, the host stand up front is going to, like, recognize me and know who I am, that's sort of a New York thing, like a, an old-school New York thing at that. It doesn't really happen in L.A. that way. So no, It really doesn't. Yeah, so I can get away with uh, oftentimes an entire meal, either at the bar or at a table with somebody and not get recognized and know for sure that I... Sounds I'm, like a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, go keep going. <laughs> I'll hear you out. You would know that I'm getting like neutral service, you know, or I'm getting what anybody should expect to get um, because otherwise sometimes I will just through no fault of my own, go into a place and they'll be like, he's the eater guy and let's slam him with free focaccia from Felix or something, which is a lovely experience. It makes me feel good, but it's also watered down. It's not the truth. And there's also Mm. when you have, again, whether it's invented or not, (laughs) um, that trust relationship where when somebody who works there gives you like a pro tip for whatever they Mm -hmm. got that morning and you immediately don't think it's an upsell, you believe them and you're kind of excited to be like, oh shit, they really (laughs) wanted me to try this. Like that feels good. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. Uh, Danny Grossman asks, this this question's been in the hopper for a few weeks. Sorry, Danny. Where is the best breakfast burrito and why? This is, don't y'all, don't oh, get me started. I wanted to save this one for Farley because I feel like you, apps, this is such a good, you, you walk down this road. Yeah. This is a soft pitch to Big you, Daddy to you, my right. Your, your version of RP3 being like, we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. This is for me. Like oh. I, could, I could do an entire series on breakfast. I think about For breakfast listeners at home, the hat off of his head flew up and started <laughs> yeah. spinning in a circle. Yeah. And it was, it was revealed that I didn't have the top of my head. It was like a, the yeah. cranium stopped and it was just a breakfast yeah. burrito where my brain yeah. should be. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a to-go bag yeah. underneath there. Yeah. Amazing. My dining compa- uh, companion last night, he stands by Kofax as, as his favorite breakfast Kofax burrito in town. Kofax is great. Here's my problem with Kofax. Uh, it's on Fairfax. Uh, <laughs> it's on Fairfax. It's far. No, uh, my problem is that they, they smoke their potatoes, which is really great for flavor, but also makes them really mushy. I want like a crispy potato. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of breakfast burrito places nowadays, Tacos du Madre, whatever, doing like the um, uh, tater tots inside the breakfast mm-hmm. burrito, which I just think is like a more intelligent choice to give you some 
contextual contrast. My so good. My favorite breakfast burrito in Los Angeles that I will hype till the day I die is Lucy's on Pico and La Brea. Shout out Mid City again. Mm. Not only do they have a drive through, not only is it five dollars, but it's like not so overwhelming in size like a Lucky Boy that it's like a bummer to finish. Mm-hmm. And they do mm. their potatoes the way that you get like that little crispy potato slip at McDonald's where it's all just like a flat bit of crispy edge goodness. Mm. They put that in with just like cheese, your meat, some eggs, and that is it. Like salsa on the outside, and it's the most satisfying, perfect amount of delicious breakfast burrito. Oh. So Lucy's. Lucy's. It's a 24-hour spot, big yellow sign. 24 hours. Right on the corner. Yeah, go there at 3 a.m., get some like hearty Boucher burritos when you're a little, little drunk, and it's like the best. Damn. I do also like a Lucky Boy. People always shout out Corner Cottage and Burbank. It's like 80% potato. Like, mm. get the fuck out of here with that. Mm-hmm. Koufax is obviously pretty fantastic. And then there's other spots around town. I just had one at Hollywood Burger this morning, which is in Hollywood across from the Pantages. Hollywood Burger is a place. Oh, yeah. They came in a couple of years ago, and they're actually like a bootleg restaurant that started in like Rio de Janeiro or some place like that in South America. Whoa. And have since expanded back to Los Angeles. Yeah. So now they're a mirror looking in on themselves and it's very bizarre to really be making the most mileage of that Hollywood name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, they, they do, they do a decent breakfast burrito. If you are willing to like have that tater tot kind of experience. My only problem with it is that they use really melty, like low grade American style cheese that just makes your whole thing wet. And that's no good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, I love, I think that I had a, a tater tot breakfast burrito in, in San Diego at a place called bull taco. Okay. It's like kind of on the ocean near uh, Cardiff by the sea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the best idea. You just yeah. get a really crispy one. That right. crunch should stay. It, it keeps. You need that process quality to stay crunchy with uh, with all the soggy ingredients in there. Yeah, it's do you, too good. Baby. Do you guys have personal favorites? Mm-hmm. What is it? I, I don't What's down really. Here on tacos via Corona. Tacos via Corona. Tacos via Corona is great. And and vast, I really like. I really like that they. You can get cactus in it. Yeah. Because um, I'm. I mean, on on the hearty side of things, like I like my breakfast burritos to be. A lot smaller mm-hmm. and a lot less greasy, and something that I'm going to feel better eating in the morning for the rest of the day. You want to be like, a bomb, and and I think there's a breakfast burrito for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm describing what I look for, and yeah. I want something that's got enough taste, but also not because look, if the the curse of the breakfast burrito is once you get it, you're going to eat the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like, oh, this is so like bad for me, but I'm just gonna take a little snacker, and that's like, okay, and you don't you okay. don't save it for later. No, it, no, it's no, not no, gonna no, no, be no. It's, it's dead the next so day. So what shows up in your hand is what you eat. Yeah, and yeah. so if I go somewhere, there's got it doesn't matter how disgusting it is if I if I'm like wholeheartedly signed up and I'm gonna order a breakfast burrito that day, whatever they're putting in my hand is what I'm gonna eat. Yeah. So I really like the cactus. I like pretty much everything that they do there. I, I, the Napolitos. Um, but the the crispy potato super important to me as well, mm-hmm. and I like I like the tater tot. Sometimes I think the tater tot soaks up too much grease because it's processed right. in that way that it's actually just like chopped frozen chopped potato reconstituted and then fried, right. which is incredible. But it really does soak up a lot of yeah. grease. I sometimes prefer a crinkle cut fry. Okay, but really cooked well. Yeah, cooked well. But also, what I really so Del Taco. What I really look for. <laughs> Uh, is I really like my breakfast burrito to be hit on the flat top yeah. on both sides. Yes. I really don't like just a soft Sealing wrap. up that edge. Because I, I think more often than not, a lot of times, too, the breakfast burrito is the greasier version of a lot of burritos. Like, side <laughs> by side, if you put, like, an El Pastor taco next to a 
Breakfast burrito more often than not. Breakfast burrito is gonna be more greasy <clears> to me. Yeah. I don't know. If, uh, do you guys agree? I agree. I do. Agree. I, I feel I like do yeah, for sure. Because breakfast burrito is full of bacon, right. which is just yeah. 80% so that grease fat. is gonna hit that flour tortilla <clears throat> way faster. Meaning, like you're you have less than five minutes now to get to it before it kind of soaks through and ruins a lot of that texture of the flour tortilla. Um, so hitting that on the flat top for a couple minutes each side, which is harder to find than not because it just slows down service. Yeah, this, I, this is my favorite thing. Yeah, mm. like what about you? I don't really have one. I mean, outside of what we've already covered, yeah. I don't really have any <clears throat> anything that's really, <laughs> really moving my chains. I just, I, I don't, I don't really eat a big breakfast like that hardly ever. Yeah, I, I, I almost never do. But like, I got four hours of sleep last night and woke up and had to be in Hollywood at seven a.m. and it's like oh, I'm going to get a breakfast burrito. Like that, those are my moments. It's literally it can be medicine. Yes, a breakfast burrito can absolutely yeah. be therapeutic and medicinal. But that that home state breakfast taco. Is Great. that kind of scratches my itch? I will prefer that over a breakfast burrito. Well, you're getting the because be- I can a better ratio. Size. Yeah. yeah, better ratio. And like for me, home state is if I'm going to go, I should only get one and like a small cup of coffee. But I'm going to get two, and then I'm and then I and, usually and I, wa- yeah, I want to order three, and then and most then of maybe the time, a Frito pie. Yeah, most of the time I do order three, and then I'm like that was <laughs> that was right at the top of what I should be eating. But the ratio for that is it's so much egg. Like yeah. it's it's. A pretty fantastic option. You guys should try at some point uh, the Rooster Truck. They do a really good. Oh, I've seen it. Rico Suave is their breakfast burrito, and now um, that woman is starting to send them around. Like she'll basically make them in advance and then send them down. You can get them like at San, San Clemente coffee shops, like Bear Coast, and they'll just have them for the weekends because she delivered like fifty of them, and then they finish them off in a little oven or whatever yeah. thing they've got. And it's like delicious. Huh. They do avocado in theirs, which like I don't love. Sour cream is like I don't need that in my breakfast burrito. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot that people do that's like one step too far. But mm-hmm. how do you feel? And doesn't Kofax put tortilla chips in there? Yep, because they're trying to get back to what the potatoes should have been. But they're because they're mushy from the smoke, but, which is delicious. It's such a good breakfast burrito. It's just not my preferred style. That should be your new Twitter bio: mushy from the smoke. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of those chips, Nick from Pizza Slime. If you had to eat one kind of chip for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, really easy. Go. Really easy. Yeah, for sure. This is not really easy. Wait, yeah, wait. I'm, I'm sweating. Oh, chip, not tortilla chip. No, no, any, no. Ch- any, any, any type of chip. Coming off of this tortilla strip situation we were talking about uh, from no, no, the Kofax no. uh, so I was going to say habit chips. We're doing, uh, you could, uh, a Funyun, a Ruffle, any, any kind of chip. You know, uh, the fucking Jose Andres caviar chips. <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite. That's, that's, so I, you're and going, I don't only eat, this is not an I only eat fancy thing conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Those are nuts. See, see, he just goes, very easy, have a corn chips, boom. And then I'm like. No, I thought of, it was tortilla chips. Very easy. Like, oh. Okay, so is it the caviar chip? Is that the number one? I need to think about it. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the the plain Rusty's potato chip. It's just regular salt like Rusty's potato chip. Just the salted chip. I, I just like the traditional. If, if it's gonna be for the rest of my life, because like obviously a Cool Ranch Dorito is really cool too, or I have a corn chip, or what, all these other chips are like. The Zaps yeah. chip with the voodoo funk flavor, like those are all great. That's not an everyday chip, but yeah, I, for I, every day, just a plain Rusty's potato chip, yeah. not the salt and vinegar, not the salt and pepper, not the spicy, wow. just a regular regular daddy. I'll tell you right now, 
a, a old school thin ass Lay's sour cream and onion no, for the rest about, of my life. Some picnic. Yeah. The rest of my life. And I'd find unique ways. I'd be crumbling on top of a casserole, snorting that shit. You'd so find that's your version there. of everything bagel seasoning is just pulverized yep. sour cream and onion. <laughs> Actually, I remember when I was a kid, my mom and I had a good run with the sour cream and cheddars, though. Those, that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a yeah. tangy that's little a kicker. Move. That's a dirty move. That's a dirty move. Luckily, mom and I were able to wean ourselves off of that. Yeah. We're, gonna, clean, we're clean see, now. You're going to see me start a bootleg restaurant where I'm taking sour cream and onion salt and just putting it on the forearm all the way down. <laughs> oh, my God. Sour cream and onion and steak. That's all I'm asking for. One time, let's do it. Ooh. I see? I don't think that that's doing, too much to ask. That, thank you. I don't think it is. Dry-aged sour cream and onion yeah. ribeye cap. Just a 30 little, day on the lays. Pop, a little pop on top. <laughs> I'm going to cheese pocket at the end of the month. I'll bring them a bag, see what happens. <laughs> They'll love that down there. They'll just love that down there. <laughs> I don't think I... It's weird because I don't ever buy chips. Like, I never... Like, I it's know. rare. It's, this, converse, this question's throwing me a little bit, but it probably would be single chip just just for its own flavor. One chip I would say, for the rest of your life. I would life. say Tim's Cascade Salt and Vinegar Potato Chips. But if we're talking, yeah, but that's that's my wheelhouse. It's the vinegar, the sour, the the pickled. The that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. But I think for rest of life, taking into consideration <laughs> dips, I'd have to go Ooh. Ruffles Thick Ridge. Wow, for life, which is truly a blank canvas for the rest of my life. I, Thick Ridge. I did not consider dips, and I'll tell you right now, I'm standing by my call. Yeah, yeah no, I mean you picked a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You go, girl. You had me rethinking it, though. Mm-hmm. All right. La, uh, Aubrey Shade, last pod you guys talked about toasting nuts. In the past, you guys have talked about toasting other things and expanding on alternative toasting. Is there anything else that I should be toasting that I'm not already toasting? Mm. Well, other than a nut. Toasting, I'll have to think about. But I think I mentioned this before. I think any time that you're using tomato paste in a dish, you basically want to mm. toast that in whatever pan you're sautéing with or stock pot for a soup. If you can pull some space aside or somehow incorporate it into a way where you don't have to do it in a separate dish because a lot of what you're doing you want basically kind of burning and caramelizing at the bottom. Um, I mean, it could even get as a color close to black as long as it's obviously not completely smoking. But mm-hmm. I think toasting your tomato paste Just and cook the shit out of it. Yeah. And anything that you're doing, unless it's like something like a primavera or something where, and even there, like you still want to bring the sugars up, but don't want it as dark or as smoky, but chilies, stocks, pastas, anything. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something that I always, I started doing only a few years ago and it definitely, uh, an alternative toasting that I like would be toasting cream, Ooh. Um, which it doesn't feel like toasting is the right word for it, but that's the word that people are starting to use for it. Of just so like scorching it, a just little yeah, bit? simply scorching cream in a hot pan until it turns sort of like a nutty kind of khaki color, oh. similar to what you would do with a brown butter, I guess, but with cream. Got it, and it makes that flavor a lot more interesting. It brings hmm. out. Sweetness, nuttiness, you know, like all the stuff, you know, when you have a brown butter versus a yeah. regular butter. Right. And you, wow. can, you can just do that with cream. Wow. <clears throat> At yeah. what temp are you doing that? Like how high a heat? You, 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 you do it high. 
Like you're scorching it. Mm-hmm. So, like it's 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 a it's a so it's it happens a, quickly. It's a big bubble. It doesn't happen that quickly, actually. And you can kind of take it as far as you want. Like you can just hit it a little bit, like a roux. Like when you yeah, exactly like a roux. Yeah. And then uh, you, I, I like I've I've done it before when making like creamed vegetables, like a cream spinach or a cream fennel. It's nice to do yeah. a, a, a toasty. I don't uh, I don't cook at home that often. You're supposed to like bloom spices, right? That's a little more of a, a heat up, maybe more than a, than a toast all the way through. No, that's good. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. definitely spices, good idea. spices. Spices. I mean, people even do it with just plain black pepper. They'll they'll yeah. they'll do a pre toast on that. Yeah, definitely. Get it a little warm. When I was a kid, taking a slice of bologna, slapping it on the griddle, not quite the same as toasting, but <laughs> it's going to get you where you want to be. Cooked bologna or mortadella is incredibly yeah. delicious. Also, yeah. like. Low key, I like toasted bread. Okay, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I'll get you're like trying a to keep bait. it on the low, huh? Sometimes I'll get like a piece. You don't of bread want the haters to know it. you're toasting bread. <laughs> it totally changes the dynamic. It makes like a little bit harder and crunchier, and like it's actually pretty interesting. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I've I've mentioned this before, but I started. I think it was the first dish I did it with was like a restaurant style Mexican red rice, but toasting rice at like a medium to medium high heat with a little bit of oil. Um, for as long as 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. where it really starts to darken, it's brown, you think that it's almost ruined or cooked through, like, how is this going to, what is this going to do, how is, how is this going to react? Um, so doing that and then adding whatever normal amount of water, to me, I, in a rice cooker, I usually use a one-to-one ratio, but um, what happens is toasting that rice really kind of cooks off a lot of the exterior starch, and it ends up holding the texture of the rice and the individual um, piece. Like, the the way it separates, it's just incredible. And I think you see that in pilafs or in different mm-hmm. Middle Eastern dishes, too, that usually call for toasting before. But I've done it in pretty much every rice dish recipe, including just white rice. And I really like it. And that's not to say the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. But when you're like, how do I do something really stupid and easy that's just not more steamed white rice... Yeah, yeah cooking, cooking rice perfectly so it works. To separate the grains and to hard. give it that individual texture, it works incredibly well okay. without a lot of work. That's a great tip. Fry that rice. Yeah. Andre knows all about fried rice, baby. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, all right, we'll, we'll do one more question, and then we will, we will slow things down and head out. What is this going to be? Oh, yeah. Esteban. Well, maybe this is not a good one for you. Esteban, we're going to wait for that one. From Flamin' Hot Chicken, where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> where do you live? <clears throat> okay. Which room do you sleep in at night? <laughs> Cotton Candy Poppy. He says, TJ, I can't get a good seasoning on my cast iron skillet. Any recommendations? And this is... <laughs> what are you smiling about, Andre? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, 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 yeah. Go for it. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I it, I mean, I, what little I know about cast iron cooking, you're probably just not using it enough or consistently enough, right? Like, you've got to really reset it to zero, especially if you're getting a used one or an old one. Scrape all that shit off and then seal it with uh, a high heat oil, not like an olive oil, mm-hmm. and then put it through the oven at whatever, 500, 550 for a while so that it seals in. That's cute, Farley. Come on, you can just stop. I don't know. I mean, this, no, is, this he's, is my understanding. He's absolutely right for the most part. But yeah, if you can't get a good seasoning, it's because you need to strip it all the way down. Right. So we do. And go. There, there's video, uh, uh, True It Deets, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, sharing, he's shared with me some videos. Of, there's like a new trend of people taking their cast iron down to, like, 
nickel plated quality like looks like stainless steel almost yeah that you need equipment for that yeah like that. with powered grinders and what shit. is it there's also the the process where you put water electro it's not mm. electrolysis but it, it looks <laughs> like it if you read the word um, I'm forgetting like it, electrostatic but, charging right so basically good cast iron and even like new lodge cast iron if I get it I don't like the vegetable seasoning that they put stock standard out of the factory at lodge and I don't like the way lodge makes their pans too I think it has too much texture on the actual it's not flat enough fuck lodge so but what you do you'll Go out, buy oven cleaner. Any kind of oven cleaner is fine. I'm Completely spray it down, wrap it in a trash bag, and put that somewhere safe away from your kids or your pets, but leave that in there for two to three days. That will strip everything, rust, old gunk. You name it. It'll take it completely down to the metal. You take that out, you dip that in a vinegar and water solution, which neutralizes any of the oven cleaner stuff. Okay. You're going to dry that as quickly as possible. You're probably going to get a little bit of surface rust, but it's just the lightest exterior rust that's fine that'll wipe off. Um, And you're going to do what you said. You're going to put it into a hot oven long enough to really dry it out. You're going to pull that out. I mean, I prefer to season with Crisco. Wipe it down with Crisco. Mm -hmm. Put it on a high heat. Let it cool. Give it like a half an hour to cool or you can couple hours and then just do it over three or four times. And then, I mean, the real secret, if you, if you have ever had a really good season on a cast iron, there's probably some, a little bit of user error in there. And user error being you're either cleaning it wrong or you're just cooking the wrong things. Because anybody who tells you you can cook anything in cast iron... I mean, you could probably do it once and then ruin your pan. Right. But, like, mm-hmm. there's no confectionery masters out there screaming or touting, like, the cast iron is the way to go. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. so, to, depending on what you're cooking, um, a good seasoning of that, and you're staying away from soap, and you're staying away from certain types of abrasives, um, a really great tool to have is just a plastic scraper that you can get off Amazon for 99 cents is one of the best ways to clean cast iron when you've got mm-hmm. bits that just hot water won't take off. But you never leave cast iron sitting, soaking any kind of liquid in it. You clean it after you're done using it, and you're kind of... Whenever I clean cast iron, I like to get it to where I think it's clean, then put it on a burner for two minutes to burn off any water, moisture, anything that's on there, wipe it down, and then just drizzle olive oil on the bottom and the top and wipe that and then put it away. Because what's going to happen is what the, the downfall is moisture and oxidization. Oxidization? Oxidization. Oxidization of that cast iron. So when you're putting it in a coat of oil, that's kind of sealing it away. And I mean a light coat. Mm-hmm. Like a couple drizzles on each side and wipe it down. You don't got to dip it in candle wax. And then that's going to keep it from rusting. It's going to keep it from spoiling. um, And, you know, Mm. then it kind of, you need the heat to season the pan. So like dry wiping it down with oil isn't necessarily going to season it, but it, it does something and it also keeps it from oxidizing. It's a living, it's a living document that needs to be constantly (laughs) maintained or it's like a knife. It's like, look, stainless steel, you can change a tire with, and it's what I cook with a lot of the time. It's incredible, but not all materials are created equal. And when you're using like 
To a degree, I consider cast iron, even though it's such an incredible utilitarian working class pan, it's still kind of high performance where it needs a little bit of babying. And so a good knife, a good sushi knife, a good any knife, a cast iron, copper, like it's not, it's not your daily driver as far as maintenance. Which is word for word what I said. <laughs> it is what Fairley said. He was sliding me notes for some of that. Well, I knew Andre was, is, a, is very well versed in this subject. Right. And, I was, and I, I was like, Farley's really making an effort. It's nice. But well, I, I, you said everything. Yeah, you did a great I job. I expanded a little bit, but everything I said, you said concisely because you're a better writer. Do you think maybe, <laughs> um, maybe when, you, when you get that cast iron, maybe your first few things should be like, like a shallow fry, like something like that, yeah. just to get that sure. good base. Like, don't start off with like making a 12 inch cookie in the thing. You're like, no. Get in, it, yeah. like, like, fry some chicken, you like, fry some other stuff in it. So Steaks. you're kind of. Getting that thing Anything in there. Fatty is great. Yeah. Also, you should that... you, you should be a little be aware of uh, too, too much tomatoes, too much acidic stuff, yep. right? So oh, you can kind yeah. of take away some of that base layer. Acids and shakshuka is going to fuck it up real quick. Yeah. Yeah. The Watch sugar, the, you know, if you're doing steaks in there or you're doing really high heat sears and you're using you know rubs and things, be very aware. I mean, sometimes people aren't. Maybe everybody is, and I'm imagining that some people aren't, but. There's a lot of sugar in store-bought or restaurant-bought rubs, and it's for a good reason, right? It's incredibly good taste-wise and profile-wise and everything that it does. But when you're applying certain types of like high-heat cooking or searing and then also adding ingredients that don't play well together, sugar is another real easy way. Or not even, I'm not even talking about like white sugar. I'm talking about like certain kinds of citrus juices or mm-hmm. anything that's going to caramelize Coffee and, rubs. and eventually burn and pull. And what's going to happen is it's going to adhere and it's going to pull off that seasoning to get it off of there mm-hmm. if you over-caramelize. I mean, it, it's not going to scrape off to the extent that you want it to so, or clean all the way down to where you want it to when you're using that much sugar. Or long, like really high heat cooking with like lots of acids and stuff can do that too. Yeah. Conversely, for me, like I think that's value added if you go to like a Yuccas in Los Feliz and you get their hamburger because mm-hmm. they, they constantly oh, yeah, they're constantly reheating cochinita pabil, which is very acidic, and then you put the burger on there and it's just got a generation of flavor built into it. So it's mm. like more than you would naturally get from some brand new like skillet or whatever. Yeah, it's like when they talk about Bill's Burgers or anybody mm-hmm. that uses mm-hmm. an old plancha or flat top that they've had for seventy years. Like there's yeah. that kind of like. Breath of the Walk-esque, <laughs> like, oh, it's because, well, they've had that, that yeah, that's flat the, top yeah. for, like, you look at them cooking burgers at Pie and Burger, like, that thing's not off, that's not a 2017. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That's, like, the, that's not off the floor last year. That's the missing <laughs> it factor that you can't duplicate without a generation of ownership. Right. And I think a lot of eating is psychosomatic. When you're being told what you're eating beforehand, um, it has this incredible ingredient, or it's aged 47 years, you, you're not it does bl- taste like cigarettes. Very <laughs> rarely you're blind taste testing that, right? Unless right. you're going to a vent that's doing that. Right. And usually if they're going to do a blind taste test in an event, it's really like what they're showing off is going to shine through. Right. They know that ahead of time. But when you look at a normal restaurant, I mean, it's like, and you're like, okay, this is really good. Right. Whether you're feeling that, tasting it, whether they're not even using that ingredient. I mean, there's a part of that kind of see and observation and internalize where it's like, yeah. Yeah, and nothing about us is, is neutral as observers. We all bring our own baggage from our life into it. We all have three different kinds of potato chips we want. We take that to a restaurant, and like that informs the way that we order the sandwich that we're going to pair it with and everything else, and the hospitality and whether they know your name when you walk through the door. It's all part of what I think is like the honest beauty of the restaurant world, that like 
every restaurant is in some ways built for you and that you make of it through your own processes when you walk through the door, whatever you're going to make of it. That's how you can tell Farley's a fucking pro because he, he knew that I was about to end the show and just like any good story, he brought slide, little elements throughout our last hour and a half in. journey, ties it all up with a perfect little bow, Bravo, hits send Farley on the Elliott fucking Gmail. I'm just trying to get invited back for round three. He's too good. He's too good <laughs> at this point. At this point, he's too fucking good. Farley, thank you so much for doing Thanks this. For having me. Follow him on, on the net over, over, under mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at... And go to Eater LA, where he writes four million words a day, apparently, about you name it. Uh, he only has a few days to live before uh, the hot chicken <laughs> mafia does inevitably put a few slugs in the fella. But it was nice knowing him. Thank you so Andre much. Andre Conoparo has zero social media because he is sick. No, I don't have I am at them jeans. Are you at them jeans on Vero? I am at them jeans. I gotta jeans. follow you, dog. Follow, follow me on Vero. Follow me on Vero, of course. That's the only way. It's the only thing I ask. And uh, if you do like the show, please take a moment to tell a friend who likes food. Like and subscribe on iTunes. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Farley. Bye.